podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. <sighs> That's exactly how we should start it. Just leave that massive sigh in, Mark. It's over. Yeah, do what you want. 300 now many days. I, I don't mean, know. Do what you want. I don't care anymore, Martin. The season's you, finished. It's you just... Can- Oh, what do you, you do came, now? You came in and out, like I, you know, lost custody of you during the mm-hmm. lockdown. You know, mm-hmm. I then had to take you back because, yep. you know, because the other partner didn't want you. You know, so it's yeah. just like, and now we're at the stage where it's like this, some holidays. So it's just like we're gonna. I don't know how we're gonna get through this. What, but what are you gonna do with me for five days a week? You don't know. <laughs> but what I know is that the season's been very long. Uh, it's been interesting. There's plenty to talk about, and I'm already really sad that the Premier League's over for. I know it's only like six weeks or something, seven weeks, but I still feel sad that it's over. I hate the last day of the season for that reason. Yeah, it's it's got, it's a weird run, is it? Hopefully, we'll be back before too long. But yeah, the FA Cup to look forward to. I mean, the FA yes. Cup, the semi-finals were genuinely interesting. We have got the two exciting teams to watch so that will be and we've got playoffs we've got championship playoffs as well which is always and the Champions League is going to be mental the Champions League that 10 day tournament is going to be absolutely and even the Europa there's still stuff to watch right so it's not the stuff to watch the Premier League has been good though isn't it it has been good it's the greatest league in the world apart from the championship and I salute it daily well we we talk about the winners and losers. Uh, you stop rustling. Usual. I can hear you rustling. You I'm not rustling. Podcast. I'm not rustling. I'm not rustling. <laughs> right, uh, guess, Martin. Come on. We have the excellent Gareth Dobson on um, and ably managed by our ace producer who somehow cobbles this together for us, um, Leon. So uh, thanks again, Leon, for your efforts this season. And thanks for you loyal listeners who I know yes. have been with us every step of the way. Yes, it's a good show. We talk about the season just gone. Uh, it's a bit of fun. Just tell your friends about it, even though it's sort of pointless now because it's uh, end of the season. But you can listen back. I mean, just imagine listening back to these retrospectively. So much I've never heard oh. one of these. <laughs> and on that note, enjoy the pod. Okay, well, thanks uh, for joining us for the final uh, Premier League podcast, certainly, uh, as the game wrapped up at the weekend. Uh, joined by the stalwarts of the longest ever Premier League season, Mark Smith. Mark, good to have you back on uh, co-hosting duties. Good to be back, Martin. Very excited about this. I like, I like end-of-season review-type shows, and now I'm part yeah. of one. Yep, yeah, well, they were, there we are. And essentially, a third, our third host... Uh, Gareth, who is on here just as much as any of us. So, um, Gareth, it's always a pleasure to have you on, sir. Oh, well, thanks for having me back. It's uh, it's nice to feel like we've hit the top of the mountain. <laughs> Does it feel like that or the bottom of the, the pit? The you know, it's, yeah, just the bottom of the basement. Yeah. Um, it, it, well, it was certainly that for some. Let's start at the top of the uh, top of the mountain, Liverpool. Um, we have waxed lyrically about them all season. It's been uh, a pleasure to watch them. Fully deserved. Um, how did you 
did you did you watch their their celebrations, Gareth? Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was probably the best display they've put on since lockdown. Um, yeah. It was, I mean, it was genuinely sort of quite impressive. I, I think a lot of uh, people thought it was going to be sort of fairly flat without the fans and very strange. But you have to hand it to whoever coordinated that between the the stadium and the and and the TV. It was a uh, it was full fireworks. So and it was. You know, it's, it, it was a good sort of almost a, a nice reminder of how dominant they've been this season, how sort of clinically they basically, you know, going into lockdown, how, how much they had the league wrapped up all season. Like you said, it's it was pretty deserved. Yeah, and also quite nice for them to, you know, put a couple of thumpings in or have some nice big scoring games towards the end, especially that Liverpool 5-3 was great. Uh, Chelsea 5-3 was great fun. Mark, you know, I've been saying Liverpool are the best team in the league all season, so, you know... It's uh, the first time you've said it. First time you've said it all season, <laughs> it's after they've celebrated. You had Man City all year, and actually, to be fair, I know Liverpool finished miles and miles ahead of, of uh, Man City and were worthy winners. They weren't the most exciting team in the league. They weren't the most exciting Liverpool team we've seen in the last few years either. But what they showed was that to win the Premier League, it's not about that. It's about, can you do it relentlessly week in, week out? And, and that was what was so impressive about them this year. Just metronomic, grinding teams down. They, they had the occasional game where they thrashed the opposition, but generally speaking, it was just extremely professional. And, you know, just... I don't know how they do it, Martin. I don't well, know how they well, do this, it. this leads on perfectly to, to the point of uh, player of the season. So football writers... Uh, player of the season, which was chosen this week. Now, who who would have been your player of the year? Uh, let's go across the whole league, but I'm assuming it's going to be someone from Liverpool because obviously um, it's just hard to you pick one out. I'm uh, asking you, Mark. I'm going to ask you both individually. So, Gareth, um, so I I probably would have gone with either Van Dijk, uh, Mane, or De Bruyne. However, having said that, I think that I have no qualms with. Jordan Henderson being given it. It feels like a bit of a sentimental um, award. The Scott but, Parker Award. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, It's like Scorsese winning the Oscar for The Departed. Like, yes, yeah, <laughs> it's right. it is great and it gets better with time, but it's not his best film and he should have won before. But, you know, Henderson might be a bit of a sentimental shout, but it feels like they couldn't, they never got a chance to give Steven Gerrard the Premier League and then the Player of the Year alongside the Premier League. And he feels like a spiritual successor to Gerrard. Maybe not in terms of ability, but certainly in terms of embodying the club. Yeah, and so, hair, you know, it makes hair hair sense for that sort of stuff. Similar, yeah. Helen. It makes sense for him to win it. No qualms. He's not the best player in the league, but he's had a fantastic season and why not? And it doesn't matter that much, does it, in terms of the football nah. writers? But, Gareth, what, what did you make of it? Because it, it did cause a little bit of controversy, didn't it? Yeah, it was um, it, it was a journalistic award because the the stories they get to write about Jordan Henderson are, are probably quite you know quite fun for them. These sort of big floral pieces about you know the little footballer who could. Um, there's all there's that sort of little element of oh he's really tried like he's really grown with the team and um, you know it's like he's not the best but he's become the most important you know and it's it's a tool for the journalists and it, I thought it was really interesting they came out almost immediately after, like, they were expecting this this pushback and they were explaining it's not about who is the best footballer that year. It's the footballer they think deserves the, this award for a multitude of reasons, which, you know, seems a little disingenuous. But, you know, like Mark said, I do understand it. I mean, personally, uh, it was absolutely Kevin De Bruyne uh, for me. I think he's... I mean, he's the best footballer in the league and yeah. he had probably... 
you know one of his two best seasons uh, with with Man City, along with the one two years ago. Um, and I, I did sort of quite enjoy it at the last game of the season. He's just you know cracking goals and getting assists, uh, hitting the and, uh, and not even celebrating record, not celebrating because yeah. you know the slighting was real. Um, it, and uh, if I sorry quickly, if I was to go with a Liverpool player, I probably would have gone to Sadio Mane. Yes. Yeah. There you go. I'd, I'd be on. I mean, it was interesting seeing the the array of options because Allison got mentioned in there. Um, uh, obviously, I mean, Salah had a, I mean, nineteen goals and God knows how many assists coming in, and just because it's not hitting his normal standards and the importance of 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 him to the team, uh, just you know, it, it, it's a testament to Liverpool that you, it was a complete team effort. Yes, yeah. yeah, you could have picked seven or eight of those uh, players. But what I would say about Henderson is that. Um, the drop-off in standards when he's not playing for Liverpool was noticeable. So if there's a drop-off in quality of those sorts of players, then you know Henderson must be a pretty special player. Maybe not technically, but certainly he brings something to the table that no one else does. Well, that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, and, uh, you know, as a player myself, I, I, I'm going I'm to move on to Jamie Vardy here. Because I remember when I first started, and I know I've probably said this on this pod many, many times, I went up at Stockport right at the end of my career, and we tried to sign him from Halifax for 50 grand. And I remember our manager at the time going, is he worth Is he worth pushing the boat? And 50 grand signing on a transfer fee would have been, I don't know, he, must have, he might have been looking for 800 quid a week, grand a week, maybe something like that. And, yeah. and he just priced us out of the market a little bit. Obviously went to Fleetwood and absolutely just tore tore the league to shreds. But wasn't like he, was, he played up front with another good striker there. The, the pair of them were the decent players. You were like, he's quite handy. Um, but it's, even then, you're just like, the, you see the development of him. And going on to now, I, I, I still don't, it doesn't feel like he gets given the respect he deserves, perhaps, even for scoring, what, uh, was it 23 did he get? Was he, he was top scorer in the league. Uh, at the age of 33, sorry. And that's yep. just an, an incredible achievement. It should be should be respected, should we say. Oh, God. Like, he he's probably in... I mean, we're not going to do this because everyone's doing this, but if I was to pick a team of the year, he'd probably be in it because I think that as good as Leicester were for the first half of the season or first large chunk of the season, I don't know how we're working that out this time, but they were, they were not actually creating that many chances for him. He was just putting everything away that came along. So I think if you put him in... A really elite side. I, I don't know. I wonder how many goals he'd score. At, uh, you mm. know, a Man City or, or even a United who are creating a lot of chances at the moment. And I, I do like, think he. I do think he doesn't quite get the respect he deserves. Um, I'm not really sure why that is. I do feel like some people still see him as being a bit of a novelty player, someone who's, you know, one of them. He's 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 a fan and he he acts like a fan. He acts like I would act if I was a Premier League footballer. You know, mm. having a good time, having a laugh. But actually, he's so professional and so, so, I mean, it sounds stupid, but so good at football. But people still put him in that bracket of being non-league and he's boy done good rather than, no, he should be treated with the same respect as any of the top strikers. All right. Well, Gareth, coming on to to, to your opinion of it, but also let's have a look at, I mean, is he just pace? I mean, obviously he's added, his, his finishing's great. But he scores a lot of very similar goals, doesn't he? And Leicester seem geared up for him to play like that. Could he do that in another team? I mean, what's your view on him? Um, so I, I do think, you know, one thing worth knowing is age 33, the fact that he still retains those physical gifts, that pace is, is phenomenal. That's maybe the most sort of incredible thing. You know, most players are on the wane 
you know into their thirties, and certainly you know, it's always the pace that is commonly sort of held to yep. go first. So you know that itself is 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 kind of an almost sort of weird supernatural thing that you can keep going. But yeah, it's it's he's almost antiquated that he is just a number nine. You know, a classic, you know, a classic striker, a goal poacher, and you know they were meant to have basically been phased out. Uh, you know, ten years ago, you know, the last time we saw the likes of, uh, you know, Pipo Inzaghi's and and players like that. Michael Owen was seen at the end of his career as a bit of a man out of time. Um, so it's 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 almost testament to his ability to sort of thrive in. You know, teams aren't set up for for that number nine, especially teams. Now, you know, rarely play with two up front. They, they have usually the two wide attacking forwards, but he's made it work. And, you know, obviously Leicester have kind of geared their game towards them. They are very much, have always been about sort of defending and then, you know, hit with pace or certainly when they won the title, that's how they did it. They just, they were relentlessly clinical on, on the counter-attack. Um, but then I think if you have a player as good as, as Vardy or what he does, then, you know, you do play to, you know, those strengths. You know, Leicester... If if Vardy left tomorrow, you know, you'd say how much would it cost Leicester to replace him, and and and, you know, and could they do that? It's mm. it's kind of fascinating. You know, they they have a he and Acho, and he he's a different kind of player. I think they would be up a up a dodgy creek without without Vardy. Well, uh, let's just be glad that he didn't sign for Stockport for fifty grand and end up having to play up well, front with or me. indeed Arsenal two years ago. Yeah, well, do you know what? Do I think there's there, there's a comparison between the players that have that much pace up front? A lot of the goals that he scores, um, in the same way that kind of Owen did this a lot, um, and even Walcott to some extent. You know, when Walcott was having that red hot form for Arsenal, they they're so quick that their touch it doesn't really matter. They get, it fools the keeper. The, the keeper just can't get out there quick enough, and they've got time to touch, adjust. A bad touch sometimes becomes a good touch because it draws the keeper out. Yeah. Think that, you know, and I think and I think Vardy's a master at just coming in at that angle and saying to the keeper, you've got to make a decision. I'll either clip it over you, I'll drive it under you, or do you know what I mean? Or, or I'll move yeah, it yeah, to yeah. the side. And I think Vardy, that's, he's perfected that art. Vardy's 33. He's still got his pace. Now, that could be as a result of not playing top league football for that long. Cause he, so maybe maybe he's still quite a young 33, if that makes sense. But yeah. at the same time, I'd fancy him to be a player that's savvy enough and streetwise enough to be able to drop a bit deeper and change his game in the way that we've seen a lot of strikers do that over the over the, the last couple of decades. So, I mean, I, I'm wondering, that's interesting. first of I, all, when, when will he lose his pace? Is it? There's no signs of that happening at the moment. And maybe, if he does... Maybe. So go on. No, sorry, go on. I mean, he's mostly if he loses his pace in Zanti on a in a motorbike accident or something like that. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I think <laughs> rather right. than actually, it's going to be something. You know, I, something I, fun. He, he's never injured. He's not, he's like it's ridiculous, isn't it? I do think yeah. there is a yeah. there's a there's a certain steel about him, and he's he's got that wiry sort. He's 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 got that wiry strength where he's just kind of you know yeah. he's an absolute terrier. Um, and and know, also, so. he stopped playing. He stopped playing for England quite early, so he's he's not had that thing of cumulatively never having any time off for the last three seasons. Yep, this is true. This is true. So he's um, played it very well. Yeah, he has. He has. All right. Well, let's let's have a, have a do a quick bit on. Uh, I mean, the teams that finished around them. I, I I felt a little bit sorry for Wolves. I thought they've 
you know, I know Leicester dropped away, uh, and perhaps that's that's you know not just because after lockdown they did their form had been on the wane anyway. But you do feel a little bit sorry for them. But Wolves, uh, our opinion on Wolves' seasons, Gareth. Gareth, what do you feel about them? I, I think given how small their squad is and the fact that they're still in and progressing in the Europa League, oh, it, it's yeah, of been, course, it's been a phenomenal season. I mean, I was incredibly dubious of how they do this year because you know normally teams who come in from promotion and have a brilliant first season do regress a little bit. It's fairly natural, but to actually have a better season while still, you know, pushing on a European league, I think speaks a to the quality of the players they brought in and maybe the consistency of having a smaller squad. Everyone seems to know what they're doing. And obviously their manager now, I think you have to just, you know, say unequivocally is one of the best managers in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Mark, how do you feel about Wolves? Uh, I've loved watching Wolves all season. Um, they are a proper team. They're a proper team. They, they've got a very defined way of playing. They've got some outstanding individuals. Um, yeah, I mean, if... if I was going to say if they can keep hold of their best players, but they've actually got no reason to sell, and they're not under any financial pressure. So there's no reason why they can't add to the likes of Neves, Moutinho, uh, yep. Traore, Jimenez, Cody. I mean, the list goes on with them. Uh, Rui Patricio in goal, by the way, I thought was uh, one of the best keepers in the league this season. Um yeah, really good. Disappointed they didn't quite get it over the line uh, and get top six. But uh, there's no reason why they can't come back stronger next season. And you're right about uh, their manager. I think, you know, if, for example, Klopp was to leave Liverpool or whoever, there's no team in this league now that I would suggest is too big for him. I think he could step in and yeah. do a job anyway. I think he's proved himself that much. And the relationship that he has with his players just seems to be they will run through brick walls for him. On top of that, he's got the tactical nails as well. So he, he would be in, his name would be in the hat if any huge job opportunities came up here and abroad. And yeah, the beard. No. Don't forget the beard. Powerful. He's got a lovely beard. It's a powerful beard. All right, let's, let's, yes. nip, let's nip the hat half there. Let's come back and have a wee chat about uh, the other two teams in the top that, that have found themselves in good positions, Chelsea and Man United. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Wow, what a magical advert that was. Welcome back to the Whistleblowers podcast. I'm assuming there's an advert there, Gritton. I'm not sure 100% what the deal oh, is. It was, and it was a product that I fully endorse. <laughs> Whatever it is. Whatever buy that was. But buy two. <laughs> buy two. They sound great. Uh, you, you teased us before the break, Martin, that we'd be talking about Man United and Chelsea in this half. So uh, Gareth Dobson, our guest of this week and most weeks, uh, there's been a lot of... It feels like a lot of kickback in the last few days since United got third place. 
give me a quick summary of how you feel their season's gone. Are they good value for third place? Uh, is it been just a case that the league is particularly weak this year that they've got it? Talk me through it. it. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because, you know, it feels like at various points in the last four weeks, the knives have been out and then the pens came out writing these these lovely articles that Solskjaer may have cracked it. And then, like you said, at the very end, there's this kind of, oh, well, is that it? I think it's almost like um, the Grand National. They they finished third because they had the best uh, final final few furlongs. They were so strong after the lockdown. You know, they came out, they had a good away draw at Spurs and then pretty much won the rest of them um, until they just... Uh, until fatigue to... kicked in. Yeah, they splashed at the end. But, you know, if that was Solskjaer's gamble of, well, I'm just going to play the same 14 players and see if we can just keep driving, then, you know, it's yeah. really paid off. Um, and it, it's kind of... I, I think there's, there's still a suspicion that Solskjaer is not you know, the next Nuno or, or, or the next Klopp. But I, I think given, you know, what, what he has, which is still a top-heavy squad with, you know, it's half a good team and half probably a pretty mediocre team. I think, you know, third place is great. The The question is, how on earth do they bridge the gap towards the top two? And, you know, you feel unless they pull off some miracles next season in the, you know, this off-season transfer market, it's not going to happen yet. But so I, I think this season coming... And if they can progress and if they can show different facets of squad yeah. rotation, team building, that's a thing. But yeah, I would say that them, Leicester, Wolves, Chelsea, there probably was very, very little between them, which obviously, you know, was kind of proven mm-hmm. how close everyone was to a third and yeah. fourth. But they just timed their, their last run right. And it may be just as simple as that. Can I counter uh, the idea that they're nowhere near the top two? Um, so in form, in uh, games against the rest of the top six, they are second, only behind Liverpool. Mm. They've accumulated more points than anyone apart from Liverpool in those big games. And it seems to be that they were dropping points in the first two-thirds of the season to the teams in the bottom eight, bottom 12. And as soon as Fernandez came in, he provided that, that sort of uh, base level of we are going to attack this team. We're going to keep hold of the ball. We're going to find gaps. We're going to do something with it. We're going to break down teams that come at us with a low block and we're going to make chances and score goals. And now they've managed that. We've seen their form in the, in the part of the season after lockdown. They're, I think they're, if not top of the league in terms of form, they're certainly in the top two. They've taken six points off Man City this season, six points off Chelsea. They took points off Liverpool when no one was doing that. They drew and beat Tottenham and they beat Leicester home and away. I mean, I'd suggest there that you've probably got the makings of something more than just third place, provided that they're able to combat that fatigue issue by bringing in at least two starting players and then two or three players that can rotate. So that's my counter-argument, Gareth. I think, actually, they're closer than we think. Can I counter your counter? Absolutely. Martin, are you stop sighing down the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a sigh. It's been happening throughout the podcast. Everything you said, I think, is true, but also... it's the, sorry, the mic's just at a breathing level. Uh, it's like right by my... I think I've just got heavy COVID, you know, so sorry. Carry you doing on. ASMR again? I'm not not doing it. They, uh, carry on. So on my my counter. Closer to the relegation zone than they did to Liverpool in the, in the final table. And, yeah. you know, let's go over the truism of the, the table doesn't lie. And that, that's a big, stark jump. It's not about how, you know, how well Manchester United played in the last uh, 10 games. It's more about... How on earth do you bridge the gap to how relentless and how 
many points and goals, you know, City and Liverpool pick up. So in a way, the question isn't almost so much about, you know, are they brilliant? It's more about, well, how does a team go from very good to sort of, you know, incredibly good but I, I i will say you know and, and one one additional bit of praise is um Solskjaer got an absolute song out of marshall and he's the first one to have done that for a few years you know he was brought in under van hull i believe for a lot of money and um it never quite sparked off and suddenly he's looking like the player people want him to be you know he almost left a couple of years ago so he gets a lot of praise jo- was he, up for him going wasn't he Yes, for sure. And, you know, there was a lot of rumours of him going to Chelsea and Spurs and obviously, you know, back to other teams on the continent. So, you know, I, I think you have to give Solskjaer a lot of credit for that. But yes. um, one thing with them... I, I also think there's not, it's not just Martial. He, he's managed to, to, to make players that are there better, yeah. generally speaking. I think Suddenly he's, he's made better. Rashford better. Yeah, Matic is, is rejuvenated. Um, I think he's done a good job of that and I think he doesn't get enough praise for that. I mean, even Luke Shaw looks like a player again and I don't think I'd be saying that. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it's well, I think it's a confidence thing, isn't it? I think all these players had that ability. I think Jose Mourinho stripped players of confidence, and and there's um, there's a lot to be said for the way that Mourinho would like to see his players attack. You put the onus on them to come up with ideas, whereas I think this seems to be a very there's a very clear plan, isn't there? And I think that I think it was just Fernandez being a, the missing link in there, because um, obviously he's allowed other players to do their jobs you know I think that's yeah, where, yeah, where, I mean, yeah. where, where City have fallen foul is you know people talk about them having a weak defence they don't really have a weak defence they, they, they've just uh, the personnel that have had to drop in and you know yeah. the, the players that have been injured that 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 is, that's hurt them and I think Man United are the same when you put the right players in the right positions I mean even when Mourinho went to Tottenham he just picked the best 11 didn't he Gareth and you were you look world, world beaters absolutely brilliant you know just uh, tinkering the wrong things occasionally or, or just you know, square pegs and round holes. I think um, if Solskjaer can keep that simplicity, I think you're right. I think he gets give, given credit. It's almost like when you have a goalkeeper as a manager, it's like, you know, they, they get given the credit for the goalkeeper doing well. It's like the same when you have a striker. It's like this. Yeah. As, yeah. If, as if he's like, as if he's single-handedly brought through Mason Greenwood. It's perhaps he's just, it's just he's given them the freedom to go forward and say, look, I don't mind you having a goal, you know? So um, Yeah, yeah. Well, from one manager who's getting praise from us for giving youth a chance and, and making them better footballers, to another one who might be doing the same thing in West London, Frank Lampard. They've also finished top four at Chelsea. He's brought through some good, young, exciting talent, hasn't he, this season? Mason Mount, Rhys James, and I know Pulisic wasn't a Chelsea product, but... A young player cost a lot of money and seems to be hitting his stride quite early in his Premier League career. Gareth, uh, what do you make of, I mean, Pulisic, but Chelsea and Lampard more broadly? Well, uh, Pulisic, I think, might be the best of the lot in terms of all the the, the younger Chelsea players. He, he looked phenomenal in the last few games when he came back from that injury he had over the Christmas period. And, yeah, he's super exciting. And you almost wonder how he's going to fit in, you know, Ziyech and, 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 and Werner and, and, and all the other sort of... <laughs> Attacking players they have as well, yeah. And Havertz, if if he comes along, who I think is a phenomenal player, and um, it's you know, I, I think given that a lot of people would thought that Chelsea might struggle to finish in the top six this year, to finish fourth and to get to an FA Cup final, um, and still you know technically be in the Champions League, um, is you know it's a good season. I, I think it's they face a similar question to Manchester United in terms of well, how do we progress next year? Um, as good as their attacking potential can be, you know, they 
they shipped an incredible amount of goals, especially for a club who've always been pretty parsimonious. You know, Chelsea traditionally haven't conceded many goals. They've always been built on that, you know, very tough, you know, sort of uh, defence midfield, that kind of strong spine. And obviously those players have gone, but, um, you know, I think it does kind of also go on that question of, uh, you know, people talk about there's a rarity of really quality centre-backs and full-backs available uh, for, for the best clubs, and that might come to the fore again this summer. But, um, yeah, it's funny. Obviously, that incident with uh, Klopp at Anfield was an interesting um, an interesting moment. I, I think this, there's this view that Lampard is a little thin-skinned as a manager, and mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Chelsea have a tough season or maybe it doesn't you know, quite reach the heights. There's some challenges next year. We'll be interested to see how he reacts. Yeah, because it's, it's important to remember that this is his, he's just completed his, well, nearly completed his second ever season as a manager. I mean, he's yeah. a he took, infant, he, isn't he, he? he took Derby from sixth to sixth and he's taken Chelsea from third to fourth. So he's, you know, he's really progressing well. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, I'm not a bitter I, little man. I'm going to be snarky about it because I banged on about how I'm a Chelsea fan now, how technically they are my local team, so I should support them. But after that, that Klopp thing just left a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. Really? And I, didn't I, like it. Why didn't you like it? No, I didn't like it. I I just I found it funny that Frank Lampard still thinks he's the player. Uh, you know, like that that's the level he is at. It's like, no, mate, you're now a manager and you just have to... Let me talk about Nuno um, at Wolves. The, the caliber of these guys that have been hardened by seasons of just just campaigns that where you're the you're the the be all and end all. You're the the the, the last stop when it comes to decision making. Comes to everything. You can be a great player. You can be informed, but managers have to deal with it. And, and we'll come on to Eddie Howe in a minute because there's a man that's carried the weight and he's the weight of the world on his shoulders for for, for what it seems like months now. But um, but no, I just think Lampard's got he's got a long way to go. I just I do really like that Chelsea team. I also think that you talk about the, the scarcity of of good defensive midfielders and good centre halves. Remember the world, the last World Cup when we're watching games and everyone just seemed to just be like it was just the blitz. Everyone's just going for it. Everyone, I think football has changed somewhat in the fact that people are the more technically more technically gifted perhaps just more attacking uh, st- that the more attacking style of footballer is just how players are coached now because yeah. you know the, and 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 I think that is a re- that's a great thing in terms of entertainment I do I totally agree though that um <laughs> the team shipping goals because of it but it, it means that you can watch Wolves beat Man City twice it means that you can watch um you know Norwich beat Man City if because man you know if you if you work out how to tactically beat another team then you've yeah. got a chance rather than well, just no, grinding games down. There's like, no Makaleli's anymore, right? There's no one that is just a designated uh, spoiler. doesn't really yeah. happen anymore. I mean, Busquets does it a little bit still at Barca. Here, we don't really have it at the moment. I mean, someone like Declan Rice, who's been linked with Chelsea quite heavily, and you'd imagine he'd be as a, center, as a defensive centre mid. Well, he can do everything. He's, he's a good box-to-box midfielder. He's scoring 25 yarders. He's getting up and down the pitch. He's doing all sorts. He's not just sat in. And the, and the talk is that he'll end up at centre-back anyway. So you're going to have a real ball-playing centre-back. And it is great for the game. I think it's brilliant that every single position on the pitch is so technical. And I'm including goalkeepers in that now as well. Yeah, absolutely. Gareth, uh, um, apologies being a, a, a Tottenham fan because you're perhaps the only team in the league who hark back to that um, 
Jose's. The traditionalist. Yeah, the traditionalist. Jose is going to make you a team that grind out the uh, 1-0 to the Tottenham. It's going to be now. Uh, but it, I just feel like a, it's... How do you feel about that? Would you prefer to have a manager that was a bit more gung-ho or do you think Jose's got the right mentality because you know he knows how to win? I, th- I think he'll probably sort of improve the team over next season. You know, the team were beginning to look a bit more coherent than when he sort of inherited, you know, a bit of a mess that had kind of reached the end of their their sort of previous life under Pochettino. But like I said, it's sort of alarming that, you know, Spurs apparently very hot on uh, on Hoiberg from uh, Southampton purely because he's a holding midfielder and that's what he does. And it's all almost ignoring the fact that, you know, Spurs do have a loss of central midfielders, but because there isn't one whose job is just to kick the opponent in the air, then, you know, Mourinho isn't satisfied. And that does feel, like you said, a bit of a sort of a you know, retrogressive way of, of looking at things. But, you know, I don't think that's going to change. You don't bring Mourinho in at this point because you're expecting, you know, Guardiola-esque football. So I think Spurs fans are just going to have to accept that that's what it is until the whole thing blows up, which will be in 12 months or 18 months or two years. But, you know, we'll see. Well, let's see that. Let's go to the other end of the table. Uh, how do we feel about um, the teams that have gone down? Mark, do you think it, do you think it was a fair... It was a fair end to things. It was slightly more dramatic than we were expecting, perhaps. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, um, well, look, Watford deserved to go down. <laughs> I think purely because how they treated their managers over the year. I don't just mean Pearson and that. They, I, I, I still am baffled by the decision to sack him with two games left. But it's done. It's happened. They've gone down. They've got players that are good enough to get moves to Premier League teams. I'm talking about the whistleblower's favourite player in the world, Will Hughes. Yeah. Um, possibly Decoure. Uh, there's a few in there that, that are decent. Um, Norwich have been gone for a long time. Fine. Uh, Bournemouth was was quite a tough one. because I, I like Bournemouth. They, they seem like a decent club. Um, they seem like a nice, wholesome club that you can introduce to your parents. Um, I like Eddie Howe, even though he very much feels like a supply teacher that you don't want to upset. Not just because he'll tell you off, but because he'll just implode. Um, but having said that, they're not that club. They're a club that has spent a lot of money over the last few seasons. Um, and they've just, I think, got it wrong in the recruitment. Yes, they've had terrible injuries this season, and, and they, they have my sympathies for that. But, yeah, the recruitment's not quite been good enough. Um, I mean, Jefferson Lerma at £25 million, a club record for a player that looks decent, but isn't enough to get you out of out of that sort of dogfight. Yeah. Um, so probably the right ones went down. And, and it doesn't matter who you are, who you support, whether you like Jack Grealish or Aston Villa or what, there was something beautiful about him scoring the goal to effectively keep them up. Um, he's a local boy, done good. Huge fan of that. It's, it's everything, everything romantic that you love about football, encapsulated in 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 a few moments there. So yeah, I was pleased for them. Gareth, how do we feel about the teams that have gone down, and perhaps even the ones that are going to add value by coming up? Um, it was, you know, it, it like we said, the table sort of ended up looking like it did at the start of the day. Um, so in that sense, no kind of real surprises. However, there was that sweet spot, I think, about t- with twenty minutes left, where Watford had, you know, gone from 3-0 down to 3-2 to down and um, it was still level in the, the 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 West Ham Villa game and it got very exciting just for a few moments. Um, so we did get a little bit of uh, of drama in the end. But I think, you know, this did, 
one of the things that disappointed me most, and obviously we've covered them, they've been there for a while, is that it's just how much Norwich just gave up with about six games left. They they came out of the restart, lost a couple, and then there was that bit where they just sat on the pitch and they just looked like they'd just given up. It's like, well, we've got you know six games left or whatever, and mm-hmm. so it was it was a little disappointing that it almost felt like a procession to the bottom for a couple of teams. And yeah, the the Villa thing was good. I I, I was pleased with them because you know I. Um, the amount of clubs who have that run to the League Cup final, which is usually in February, and then it's almost like their season just stops and they plummet down. I remember when mm. Birmingham beat Arsenal um, in the, in the Cup final and then promptly got relegated, which you know feels sort of absurd, but it happens a lot. So it was nice to see them kind of, you know, see Villa sort of push and and, and stay up. And like you said, yeah, the Grealish story is good. I think he's won over. A lot of people this year, he came into the season almost reviled um, because of his uh, you know, antics and his diving, the fact that he's fairly unapologetic about the sort of footballer he is. And I think by the end, people were sort of quite excited, the prospect of him maybe playing for England and seeing also who he plays for potentially next season. Yeah, does yeah, yeah. Villa. He has polarised opinion and he has that Beckham-esque ability to, uh, to do so, uh, particularly with, um, you know, with the haircuts and That's the getting it. fouled <laughs> a lot and all that. Seven Beckham haircuts as well. This is it. This is it. Um, I'm all for it. Martin, right, well, talk to me about um, Eddie Howe. Let's let's finish on Eddie Howe and Bournemouth because there's some news that's come out today about Bournemouth um, potentially launching a legal campaign against... Uh, is it against the Premier League or against VAR itself? Or what is it? Hawkeye? Yeah, my well, well, I'll tell you this. is a nice idea. My, my first ever professional match was against him. Um, I It was a trial match for Plymouth Argyle when he was playing for Bournemouth that day. Got beat 4-2. But well, they, they did. I uh, gave him the score? runaround. <laughs> no, set, set two up, mate. And I was actually lauded for that, for my unselfishness, which was, you know, a hallmark of my career, unselfishly not scoring enough goals. Um, let me have a little look. Yeah, so, the, yeah, they are. They're going for it, aren't they? The, I think they're going after Hawkeye, aren't they? I think Hawkeye is the company. They're probably, the Bournemouth are looking to bankrupt but, but here. The, but the thing, the, thing, the thing with this, though, is that, okay, I appreciate that, you know, had that goal been given, then Villa lose the game. And, and if you take that, and, and take the point off them now, then yes, they go down. But this was games and games ago. This is weeks ago. And people respond to that and and, and change their tactics and change totally. that outlook 100%. based on what's going on. It was absolute nonsense. If it had been the last minute of the last game of the season, yeah, fine, I get it. But this is just a nonsense, isn't it? Gareth, what do you make of this? Um, it It's obviously quite similar to that uh, Sheffield United-West uh, Ham thing where uh, you know, West Ham stayed up because of Tevez and, and Lesso Mascherano. And at the end of the season or for a good year afterwards, Sheffield United chased and chased for that yeah. that ruling. And, you know, you do ask questions, well, would they have bothered if 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 the opposite was true? Probably not. But, you know, I, I can see why you're sitting there fuming, especially because, you know, it was like a light bulb went on um, in the last few days. It was like, you know what? If that Sheffield United goal... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, obviously, the other point should be if Sheffield United had scored, then potentially Villa would have come out and attacked to really try and chase yeah, him. it was the first half of the game. Yeah. Um, but what I will say, you know, uh, tinfoil hats, the question I have for you two, <laughs> what do you think is more realistic? That, A, uh, it's the only goal in the history of Hawkeye that they have ever missed because apparently of various players blocking various kind of signals or, or sight lines, yeah. or that someone just didn't turn it on. Which one do you think is genuinely more feasible? 
I think someone didn't turn it on, man. I think it was just... 100%. Hey, it's, 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 it's the Epstein CCTV cameras. It's just it's magic. It, it did not come on. Well, and also, it was the behind It was it was behind closed doors, this game, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't yeah. It? yeah. It, was, it was the first game after. It was yeah, exactly. And listen, the, um, those guys had a big to-do list on that day. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? A lot of things needed wiping down. You know, one-way system set up. I was in uh, going into the London Stadium after and, and and seeing just the operation that they have to uh, deploy on a, on a behind closed doors match. So they've got to work out getting fans back in. But by all accounts, that's the aim. Then, but yeah, no, obviously the sun was not turned it on, and the implications for not turning it on, I don't quite know. Maybe just that guy gets sacked. Maybe that's it. But I don't know if that's a legal challenge then that, that, that or it makes the legal challenge stronger. Anyway, it's happened. But also, and... doesn't that all, but doesn't all this just, just, we've only got a short period now between the start of, between the end of this season and the start of the next. Bournemouth surely are better off just getting on with it, sorting out what they're going to do. Instead of this, this is just nonsense, distraction. And I, I don't know what the point of it is. I don't know what, well, anyway, Martin, talk to me about uh, Eddie Howe though. Where does he go from here? Uh, well, this is it. I mean, like you know, he looks like if you were a t- if you're a championship team that really had because by all accounts, you know, the Bournemouth and uh, the, the back room, the fa- the finances are not in a good state. I don't know if they're they're in a position to be able to mount any sort of decent challenge to come back up. We'll see if the players, you know, that they that they've got are going to stay and and you know are going to do the job next season. But I think. I don't know. It's it's difficult for them, isn't it? it? It's difficult if if they go down and do what some teams have done and just drop like a stone, do a Fulham, and just end up scrapping around in the bottom half. I mean, it's just the, it's quite an undignified way. I think he's he looks like a man that needs a wee break from football. What do you think, Gareth? I I would. It does feel like it would be best for both sides if um, they went off. I you know Eddie Howe probably needs to rejuvenate his career. You know, rehabilitate his. His his uh, you know image which is you know has been tarnished over the last two years, and you know it's it is quite rare that you know managers stick with the clubs who, you know they relegate and and bring them back up more to the point. So yeah, yeah, and you know I think Bournemouth may be looking at you know this collection of players who are paid very well and they paid a lot of money for, um, who have ultimately failed them and are probably thinking we might need to do a complete rebuild and a very inexpensive one at that. Well, um, let's we, uh, last comment of the pod. We haven't even touched on the fact that the the, the world famous FA Cups this weekend, gentlemen. Mark, who do you fancy? Do you know? Do you even know um, who's in the final? Do you want me to? Do you want me to let you so know? So West Brom and uh, I'm going to go for a Arsenal victory. I think that they have uh, been very impressed impressive against much bigger sides in the last few yep. weeks. Yep. It felt like they turned a corner. Yeah. Uh, then obviously lost, lost to Villa at, uh, at home. But I, I I feel like they had one eye on the FA Cup final at that point even. And I, and I, I just fancied them. I think they're going to pull something out of the bag. Like it, like it. Gareth, where'd you sit on that one? Uh, I'm just going to go for a really nice long walk. <laughs> uh, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, Arsenal are going to win. Um, yeah. Which will not be... Uh... Yeah, you will not be a fan of. Um, uh, I, well, I'll have to go for Chelsea then because, you know, Lampard's got a chance to redeem himself in my eyes, but, you know, he's got a long way to go. It's good to see my local club get to the final, though. I'm really I'm really proud of them. 
Pathetic. Well, listen, lads. Listen, if this is the last pod of the season, thank you very much for your efforts. It's been great, thoroughly enjoyable spending time with you, Gareth. Uh, even our lockdown, our lockdown sessions will, will live long in the memory. Oh yes, wonderful stuff. Thank you for giving me a reason to get out of bed at seven o'clock on a Tuesday. <laughs> uh, and Mr. Smith might see each other back sooner rather than later if if, if there is any sort of resumption or uh, or not. Well, let's 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 keep, let's keep, keep your eyes peeled and your ears wide open <laughs> for a, an announcement from Smith and Grits, so Volume good. Two. <laughs> all right, cheers. Listen, lads, all the best, and uh, yeah, thanks for uh, a good season. Oh, actually, it's not a good season. It's been an f- absolutely bizarre mental one. So uh, thanks for spending it with me. And now we'll cut to a really uh, long and complex or compilation that Leon, the producer, will put together for us for yeah. free. Yeah, thanks, Leon. A montage. Cheers, Leon. Woo! I want a montage. <laughs> that was the whistle blows. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day... Come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.